Grasp the Bible is a podcast of Spring Baptist Church that walks through selected books of the Bible, verse by verse, as well as exploring biblical ideas, topics, and things to help you understand and apply God's Word in your daily life. Pastor Daryl Stein of our Klein Campus will be leading each week's study. This is our 61st episode. Thank you for joining us today. Pastor Daryl, what is today's topic? Well, we are going to be talking about missions today. Missions. Okay. So let's jump into that. If this is about the Bible, right? Grasp the Bible. Mm-hmm. So let's start right there with the Bible. When you think of missions, what Bible passage comes to mind? Well, I think for me and for most people, it's probably the Great Commission found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. But I think we need to really go back even further, in fact, a lot further, to find really where is the first command that God gives for missions, global missions. And we see that all the way back in the book of Genesis, uh, chapter 12, verse 3, God says, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Well, great. So now we, we've established a biblical precedent, both Old Testament and New Testament, for, for missions. Now, we know that missions is a very distinctive trait of Southern Baptists. Mm-hmm. I mean, going back to the very beginning mm-hmm. of who we are. So do you want to talk about that just a little bit? Maybe give a brief history mm-hmm. of Southern Baptists and why and how we came together, and then Maybe talk about our missions organizations. Sure. So when Southern Baptists came together, we did not agree completely on some of our our theology, but one thing that the people, when they first gathered together in the mid-1800s, what they did realize is the importance of missions. And so that's really uh, was forming the core of Southern Baptist identity. And so uh, from the beginning, we have been a missions-sending church or church body. Okay, now let's pause right now, because this week, if you're keeping up with this, we're going to the Southern Baptist Convention. Mm-hmm. We leave late Sunday night, and we get into Anaheim or Los Angeles, and you're going to hear a lot of things about Southern Baptists, mm-hmm. and a lot of stuff, and we won't get into that. Maybe one day we might, but not today. But the thing that we want to talk about today is the fact that no matter what other political things and crazy things are swimming around, a thing we've always been focused on, always been the driver for the Southern Baptist Convention, is telling people both close to us and far away from us about the gospel. Absolutely. And so that's why I think today is really important, talking about missions as the biblical imperative and then the foundation for who we are as Southern Baptists. Mm-hmm. So in the midst of all of that, um, what are our organizations within the Southern Baptist Convention, and then how are we connected to those? And mm-hmm. how how do, how do they how do they function? How do they get money? All that kind of stuff. Want to give us a brief overview on that? Sure. So the two large um, missionary organizations associated with the Southern Baptist Convention are NAM, the North American Mission Board, and the IMB, the International Mission Board. And historically, both of these entities have received a majority of their funding through the what's called the Cooperative Program. So uh, members of the Southern Baptist Convention churches uh, give money to the Cooperative Program, and those funds then are used to support a number of initiatives that Southern Baptist churches support, including missions, including the seminaries, and other activities as well. Okay, great. So if we're talking about the North American Mission Board, or NAM, uh, 
what do they do? So principally, they plant churches across North America. Uh, they send missionaries out to train uh, pastors in small communities and to plant new churches. And did you know that there are an estimated 275 million people in North America who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Wow. Yeah. So we think, oh, America is a Christian nation. Actually, we are the third largest mission field in the world. And so there are opportunities all around. And so if someone wants to find out more about what NAM is doing and opportunities that are available to serve with NAM, you can simply go to nam.net on the interwebs, as George Bush would say. <laughs> That's great. Now, let's, let's switch, a, switch a little bit up. International Mission Board. Mm-hmm. I think we could probably figure out what that is, mm-hmm. but why don't you just outline it for us? Sure. So the IMB, they plant churches and train pastors across the world. And as of May 31st, 2022, the IMB had 3,563 field personnel, and they had formed 22,744 new churches. And um, it wasn't that long ago when all the missionaries through the IMB were fully supported through the cooperative program. Unfortunately, now, because giving is down in churches across America and has been a downward trend over a number of years, uh, some of these missionaries actually have had to leave the field, come back home, raise support, and then go back out again. So, um, again, uh, these folks are involved with sharing the gospel all around the world. If anyone wants to find out more about how to get involved with the IMB or to find out what is going on with the IMB, they have a great website at imb.org. Well, that's great. Now, um, this kind of plays into what we talk about here at Spring Baptist Church. We have a neat little slogan Mm -hmm. about missions, and what is that? So, at Spring Baptist Church, for us, missions is here, there, and everywhere. Kind of like Jesus. A little bit. He's he's here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, but But it's easy to remember. So, let's talk about what that means for us and maybe the biblical imperative behind that. Sure. So in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus is being taken up into heaven. And one of the last things he says to his followers is he says, and you will be my witnesses in in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So let's let's talk about really what, what he meant. So Jesus says, look, right where you are in your hometown, Jerusalem, you're going to tell people about me. And then I want you to spread out a little further from there. So Judea is the region, their immediate region where they were. Okay, so for us, maybe we look at um, Harris County, if we're here in the spring area. Maybe we look at Harris County as maybe that is our Judea. And then he says Samaria. Well, maybe then that, that's, a, that's yeah, a larger region just outside of their immediate area. So maybe for us, that is Texas. And then Jesus says, and to the ends of the earth. Well, for us, that's internationally. We leave America and go to other countries as well. So our approach, we, we simply encapsulize Acts 1.8, and we state it as here, there, and everywhere. Okay, now, when we start talking about missions here, and I think we'll go into this a little deeper, most people are mostly okay with that, right? Mm-hmm. Then even like, Okay, I'm going to go in Harris County. I'm going to go do a few things, maybe Mission Greenpoint or some of those other things. We're going to go do that. That's fine. And maybe even I'm going to go to the far reaches of Texas, you know. Mm-hmm. But when they think about, I'm going to go to Africa. I've been to Africa. You've been to China, mm-hmm. haven't you? And 
you know, I've been in Latin America a lot. People have some ideas in their minds that you kind of have to be like a super Christian or whatever. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Just um, like like the mindset behind that and maybe break down some walls and some ideas behind behind those thoughts. Absolutely. And, and that's the thing. When you talk to, I think, your average person, your average Christian in a church, when you say the word missionary, I think the image that immediately comes to most people's mind is this super spiritual person. and They have walked with Jesus their entire life, and now they're living in a grass hut on the plains of Africa. They have no electricity and no running water. No bathroom. No bathroom, exactly. Squatty potty. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And so, um, and there are actually missionaries who do live that way, but that is just a tiny slice of what we mean when we're talking about being a missionary. And so here's the thing. God calls all of us as believers to be missionaries. And here's the thing. Yes, we have an occupation. Okay, we have a way that we make money to meet our needs, but that is secondary. So here, here's really my challenge. I think we're looking at the paradigm of missionary all wrong. So what if we viewed ourselves as missionaries first and our occupation second? So here's what I mean. Okay, let's say that you're a high school teacher. Okay, so what if the paradigm is I'm a missionary who happens to earn income? As a high school teacher. Now, how does that change our view of missions? Well, I think that's such a great idea because Paul was very clear. Like, I could take, because Paul's really our first big time missionary, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he, he spent a lot of time in Jerusalem getting, you know, things together. They say, you know, from a couple of years to maybe a decade, right? Mm-hmm. You know, studying under uh, the apostles there. But when he goes out, he says, well, I could ask for salary for these things, but I'm going to make a tent mm-hmm. and I'm going to go where I am. And I'm, and so he was kind of the first self-supporting missionary, mm-hmm. but he just, he did what he had to do to go where he needed to go. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I, I love that idea that, and, and it's so hard because we as Americans define ourselves, especially as men, by what we do mm-hmm. or where we live or what demographic we're in. But the fact is that we're really missionaries from heaven. Right. And the earth is our mission field. Absolutely. And so it's really all about a question of our identity, who we are. And just like you said, it is not defined uh, by what we do for a living. It's defined by who we are, more importantly, whose we are. And I, I, I tell people out of Klein Campus this all the time, God has you here for a reason. He has you in your school, in your place of work, in your neighborhood, and all the different organizations you're involved with for a reason. And there are lost people in all of these places. And then the question is, is that, okay, if there are, then who is interacting with them and sharing the gospel with them on a regular basis? And if it's not you, then who? So this is why it's so important that for us to have that missionary mindset of wherever I am, I need to be a missionary for Jesus. You spent many years, even when you worked here at the church, you were bivocational, which mm-hmm. for those of you that don't know our lingo, that means that you you work for the church, but your main job was working at the police department in mm-hmm. Houston. And one thing that I've learned, though, and you'll probably agree with this, because uh, I started off bivocation, bivocationally as well, the thing that I learned is 
I interact as a church staff member with a lot less lost people Mm -hmm. than I did when I was mostly out in the world. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I think we think of these these ideas that, well, we have pastors and full-time missionaries and people like that. Well, that's their job. Mm -hmm. But the fact is that really our job is equipping. Right. Equipping the, the larger body. And so that leads me to this idea. Let's break down some excuses. Okay. Like, like, like I hear lots of excuses. Do you hear excuses? All the time. I, and they even come from me sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we, have, we all have them. So let's, let's knock down the excuses like some bowling pins here. Sure. So one of, one of the ones I hear all the time is, I haven't been to seminary. I don't know the Bible as good as uh, these professionally trained people do. Right? Uh, the other thing, too, is I, I don't have the money. Okay? Or I'm not smart enough. I don't have the time. I'm too young. I'm too old. I don't have the training. Or I'm scared. I'm scared of my physical safety. I'm scared of rejection. I'm scared of failure. And I get it. I I don't want to diminish any one of these. But if you are saved, you have a story to tell. You can share your testimony with others. So there goes the training and the seminary. And I don't have the money, and I don't have the time. Well, what about walking across the street to your neighbor and having a conversation and just sharing the gospel with your neighbor, right? So many times, I think we get focused on reasons as to why we can't go around the world when all I'm asking you to do is walk across the street. Well, and I think you just hit on something. We need to do what we're called to do Mm -hmm. where we are. And I think sometimes we wait for that big moment, like like life's a movie. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm convinced that the most godly people I see, they just make godly decisions one after another. Mm-hmm. They go, okay, I'm going to the grocery store. I'm going to be like Jesus at the grocery store. I'm going to go over to my friend's house. I'm going to go to my neighbor, like you said. They just, Jesus did a lot going from place to place. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, I've not broken it down, we might need to do a study on this, the difference between how much ministry Jesus did in places and how many, much ministry he did between places. Mm-hmm. Right. Because there's a lot of ministry to be done between places. Right. And one of the biggest things, regrets in my life, I may have told you this before, but I was at a grocery store and God was like, tell me to pay for this lady's groceries. I was in my 20s. And I was like, no, it'll embarrass her, blah, blah, blah. And, he's like, and I was arguing with God, still small voice. And then by the time I quit arguing with God, I looked up, she had left and left the grocery store. Mm. And to this day, it's 25 years later, and I still remember that every single day that I didn't listen to God's still small voice in that moment. Mm -hmm. Because who knows what kind of mission moment that would have been. Mm -hmm. Maybe she just needed to know somebody cared. Right. And she could ask, why are you doing this? And go, because you know, God loves me a lot, and he tells me to show that love to other people. Yeah. Sometimes it's that simple. Absolutely. And here's the thing. We get so focused, I think, on these really big opportunities. And my point is, well, there's a biblical principle that talks about why don't we be faithful in the small things that God already has given to us, these small opportunities that we have, and then let him worry about giving us larger opportunities and stretching us and growing us into those larger opportunities. I'm, I'm in the worship ministry, as, as many of you guys may know, and people sometimes come in the worship ministry and they, they want a microphone, they want to be in the center of the platform. Mm-hmm. First of all, that's kind of like red lights flashing everywhere. 
But we try to teach faithfulness and get plugged in and serve God, and then he will raise you up in the appointed time. I think that's in the Bible. I think so. Now, you talked about being faithful in the small things. Let's talk about some of those things that if people listening um, are members of Spring Baptist Church, Mm -hmm. maybe other churches uh, would have similar ministries, but let's talk about our ministries and how folks could get plugged in here, there, and everywhere. Sure. So one of the, the things that we encourage here is for our life groups or what our Sunday school classes or small groups, right? Whatever, pick your flavor, right? But we encourage them to identify local missions opportunities and for them to go out as a class and then do those. And so uh, there are lots of opportunities. All folks need to do is look around, identify them and say, we're going to get involved with this as, as a group, right? That's one thing. Then we have more formal ministries and outreach opportunities here. So for our ladies, for example, we have the hands and feet of Jesus. Okay, And currently what they're doing is they are working with girls in these group homes. These are girls in the state foster system, and they're sharing the gospel with them. They're telling them what it means to be a Christian. They recently gave some of these girls Bibles, and some of them are crying because they've never owned a Bible before. And so they're teaching them how to read the Bible, what it means to actually be loved. Uh, They are feeding these young girls. They're teaching them crafts, and they're soon going to be teaching them how to cook and to sew. So they're pouring into these girls here and just ministering to them. And so for ladies here at Spring Baptist, if you want to get involved, this is open enrollment. Uh, There's, of course, a criminal background check to be done and training, but you can contact our church office. Uh, You can also go to springbaptist.org and find out more there. But again, that's a great way for our ladies to be involved. Um, Now, we also have a a new uh, program that we've just started to uh, minister to our widows and our widowers here. This is called MP4. So men, this is for you. Men of purpose, planning, praise, and prayer. And volunteers help with minor home repairs, uh, projects around the home, and lawn care service. So. We have opportunities for men and women to get involved. Now, I'm really excited about this next opportunity called Soul Safari, and it's a ministry to homeless and low-income people in our area. And so what happens is is, uh, volunteers show up between 9 and 11 a.m. at the intersection of FM 1960 and Kirkland on near the Cavender's Boot City parking lot, and you'll find a group of people out there who meet with people who are homeless and low-income. And so we pray with them. We give them water, snacks, Bibles, and try to meet other needs as well, like clothing, even bicycles, so they can get around. Again, ministering to those in our own backyard. And then finally, for those who want to um, get involved with some mission work around the state, we partner with the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention through their disaster relief program. And so we offer uh, training to uh, folks to help communities after is it a disaster. So, for example, if a hurricane comes through or a tornado, what, uh, the uh, disaster relief teams will be sent out to clean out houses, to chainsaw trees, to pray for people, and to pray with them, and to witness to them as well. So, our church is involved in a number of different formal missions opportunities, but there are informal ones as well. And, and you hit on it earlier, right? Our job here as ministers on staff is to equip people to do this type of work. That's great. One of the cool disaster relief stories, mm-hmm. we have a couple people from our church. Can't really talk about exactly where they are, but one of them is very near the Ukraine. They, they've sent from the state of Texas over there to minister mm. to folks fleeing the war. Mm. 
And then uh, there's another disaster, I think in Asia somewhere, uh, flood or tsunami. We have another person that went over there in the last month. Mm-hmm. So literally, I mean, if there's all sorts of cool opportunities mm-hmm. uh, that, that are available. Absolutely. Now, Pastor Marty, we just don't talk about doing missions on staff. We actually do missions. And in fact, you just came back just today from a mission trip. So do you want to tell us a little bit about what that was and some of the results you saw? Oh, for sure. So every year for quite some time, our church has a student choir still, and it kind of hubs as the core for a yearly summer mission trip. Other students come with us as well, but the student choir kind of is the core of that. And this year, um, we went to Kentucky, specifically a place called McCleary County. And um, it ranks for the last several decades in the bottom 10 poorest counties in the country. This year, it was the poorest county in the country. Um, I think they said the average hourly wage there's about nine dollars an hour. So we were going in there, and our students had all sorts of opportunity um, because we also found found it important that yes, we need to go when the opportunities are, but God gives us all skills. So our students got to sing um, and and lead worship at a church. Then um, a group of them went to a place called the Lord's Cafe where instead of just being a soup kitchen where they serve meals, they built it like a restaurant. So people walk in with dignity, and they get waited on by our students, who then pray with them and share the gospel. And um, there was some salvations this week in, in that. Praise God. And then part of that ministry, on Thursdays, uh, the students, some of the, the group of students unloaded 13,000 pounds of groceries mm. and handed out to over 1,500 people. And there were more salvations. That was yesterday. More salvations yesterday including one of our seventh grade boys led an adult to Christ. Wow. He's, he's one of our kids from, this, from the Klein campus. I don't, I don't want to steal any thunder, but he was among the youngest with us, and he just told people about Jesus. And then as part of that ministry, they also we were helping them finish a, like a, a mini farm subdivision of tiny homes on a farm. And we did land clearing, brush, um, even scooped horse manure. Uh, they sheetrocked houses, insulated houses, painted houses, um, did all sorts of work to get that community ready for people trying to transition. And then when those people come in, they'll be given, again, dignity, place to live. They'll learn some skills, and they'll be in daily Bible studies, and the gospel we presented to them on a regular basis, try to help them turn their life around. And then we also did a VBS. An interesting thing very sad. 85% of the kids that we worked with do not live with a biological relative. Mm. So that means that they don't live with an, um, an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent. They literally live with either somebody adopted them or a neighbor or just somebody in the state. So our kids went in there, and I tell you, I could not be prouder of them to watch them use the gift God gave them. Some of them found gifts. Mm-hmm. They became closer together. Now, we had uh, four staff members, and a couple of them are young guys, and I watched God polishing them as well, mm-hmm. and God moving them, but the students just rose to the occasion. The great thing about getting out of our envelope and going somewhere else, sometimes I don't think it benefits the people we go to as much as it benefits us, mm-hmm. because these students realized that through the giftings, through the Holy Spirit, and through the desire to love and help people and tell them about Jesus, 
that they can do that anywhere they are. Right. And that is one of the great things about missions. It opens your eyes mm-hmm. to knowing, to seeing the needs around you. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how, how God works when, when our students um, and our people just invest in it. And, and I'd like to thank the church for all that they do to make this possible, because our church is a missions-giving church. We actually have a missions offering that we do for a few months out of the year, and that funds our missions for the whole year. Mm-hmm. So it was a great time. It really was. I'm, I'm a little tired. I, I literally yeah. got up at 4 a.m. this morning, yeah. so I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah, and so you hit on something that's key, right? Which is, you know, sometimes we think, well, when I get done with this opportunity— these people are going to be blessed that I was there. Again, that, that's, we're not going to articulate it that way, but it's like, oh, I'm doing it for them. But what happens is the Lord works on us and the Lord reveals himself in new ways to us. And at the end, we end up being the ones, possibly the most blessed, or at least as blessed, because we see what happens when the Holy Spirit is working through us and we are faithful in that, how God is changing us. And it's very humbling mm-hmm. to see God work. And, and you even see this a little bit in Paul's writings. You, you see that, you know, when he, he starts off in some of his writings, he says, and I was the chief of, of Pharisees and this and that. And then towards the end, he, he's like, I ain't nothing but a sinner, mm-hmm. saved by grace, doing what God called me to. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there is something humbling and connective um, about being on mission. Mm-hmm. And, and I think missions are a lot like evangelism. We're all called to it, even though there are specialists. Mm-hmm. There are evangelists you know, that are called to that. We all are called to evangelize. And there are missionaries, but we are all called to missions. Right. And I think that's the thing we can never forget, is that God's kingdom does have specialists, but we are all kind of uh, jacks of all trade within the spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So join us next week. Pastor Daryl, we are going to be in Anaheim next Mm -hmm. week. And um, I think we're going to take a little bit of time while we're there. And just talk about some of our impressions of the Southern Baptist Convention. It's my first one. I've been Southern Baptist since I was like two. Mm-hmm. I mean, not really two because I didn't get saved till I was eight. But, you know, I've been in Southern Baptist churches since I was two. You've, you've been in Southern Baptist churches your whole saved life. Mm-hmm. And so, but we've never had the opportunity to go. Right. So we're going to get to go to one and there's going to be a lot of stuff going on. But we, I think, I think we're going to get together and just talk about it. Right. And uh, let our podcast listeners hear what our thoughts are. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, hopefully you'll find them interesting. So thank you for joining us and join us next week as we continue with our next podcast.